Ayute Molusi Meles Done, Luku Picron, Amakanon, or Paton. Welcome to Sweet Bitter, a podcast where we usually talk about Sappho, but today we're talking to Liv Albert of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby. Are you going to join in, Lisa? I mean, I don't. I think we've we've proven. <laughs> Let's talk about myths a little, Although, bit, a little bit. Fun fact: um, <laughs> If I can jump in really quickly, when I was in high school, I had to do a radio show for like a school assignment, and I totally used the song "Let's Talk About Sex, Baby" on my podcast. Oh my god, I love it. Yeah, it's a good so. choice. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Liv. <laughs> thank you for having me. I am always. We are so, so excited. I'm. I'm so excited. I mean, you. You picked. My all-time favorite goddess, but overall just <laughs> one of my favorites. So it was an easy yes. We are yes. so excited to have a few drinks and learn about Aphrodite. And we're also joined, we should say, by our resident poet, Elise. Hey, everyone. Thanks for letting me into this amazing embarrassment letting of you rich, in. Nice riches and nice people. And <laughs> I'm so excited that I can't speak. <laughs> Elise is eternally our hype girl, and I love it. I know everybody needs Elise in their life. Constant hype. <laughs> yes. So, Liv, why don't you tell us why is Aphrodite your favorite? That's a huge question, but <laughs> let's start there. Yeah, I don't have a great answer for that. She's historically my favorite just because I think when I was like in elementary school learning about Greek mythology for the first time, I just thought she was, I probably just thought she was really pretty because I was that, you know, <laughs> like 12 year old who just needed so desperately to be pretty. Um, and so I just loved Aphrodite. There's not there's not much more to it than that. But then she does have some really good and ridiculous stories. I think I like that she doesn't like her husband. And she instead has Aries who she just has sex with all the time. And it's never her husband. Sam. Like she has so many children and not one is with her husband. So we can get into who that, but her- that's a great reason. <laughs> That's incredible. Who is her husband? So Aphrodite is married to Hephaestus, uh, but she didn't marry him by choice. She married him. I'm going to just myth off right now. That's a new phrase I've just come up with now. Oh, yeah. So myth off. Off. <laughs> Feel free to <laughs> take what you want. But basically, if I recall, I also am going off the top of my head with Aphrodite because I do know most of it off the top of my head. So we're just going with it. But um, way more fun. It is. Exactly. This is what mm-hmm. I usually do. On not my podcast, but other bonus episodes. It's just more exciting that way. Have a beer. Try to remember everything. Mm-hmm. Hephaestus created a golden throne that locked Hera in and trapped her. Hephaestus was mad because Hera is his mom, but she didn't want him. She kicked him off Mount Olympus because he had a bad leg when he was born. Not a great mom. Um, anyway, Hephaestus was mad, and so he made her this throne that locked her in. And then Zeus was like, okay, well, we need to figure out how to free my wife. Like, who can do it? Whoever can free my wife can marry Aphrodite, which is super reasonable and definitely not, like, the main problem with all of Greek mythology. Um, but uh, so a bunch of people tried for it. I guess maybe Ares failed or maybe he didn't even go for it, even though he'd always been the one with Aphrodite. Um, and then someone went and told Hephaestus, like, hey, if you just go and like fix what you started, then you can marry Aphrodite. And so Hephaestus did and he got to marry Aphrodite. But he was notoriously like they call him the lame god, which is not a great word for it now, but he had a bad leg. And then he was just that god who like hung out by the forge. He built weapons and armor just by a hot fire all day long. Like, he was not the god for Aphrodite. He was not attractive. Um, And Aphrodite obviously cared about that. 
I love like a man coming in and like making a problem and then solving a problem and then being rewarded for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's Greek mythology. That's literally Greek mythology. <laughs> like here, let me handle that for you. Sweet. Who are who are Aphrodite's parents? That's a great question, and it has two different answers. The less exciting version is that her parents are Zeus and this uh, Titan woman named Dion. Essentially, it's usually Homer that references that. And there's not a lot of story associated with it. And there's not like a lot of sources for it. But the more common version and the better version is that she was born when uh, Kronos overthrew his father Uranos by castrating him and then uh, throwing his all the leftover bits that he had just sliced off into the sea. And then from the foam that erupted from the sea um, is where Aphrodite was born. That's why she's always shown like on a seashell or like arising from the foam. Yeah, I call it castration Ugh. foam. That's and wow. Elisa's face is exactly why That's... I call it that. <laughs> this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. It's the best story. It's my favorite. I mean, <laughs> Greek mythology is a trip. I'm like, also just to clarify, let's get, please. So Aphrodite... The goddess was of love created, and sex and beauty. Was created by a dismembered member. Yeah. <laughs> and well, that's now I know she's my favorite. Now I know what she's... Oh, yeah. She's literally born of castration, specifically the foam that erupts in the sea when it hits. It also just, like, when you think about the story of Adam and Eve and, like, Eve being created from Adam's rib, like, this is just so much better. Like, why did we move on to Christianity? Honestly, they had it. They had it. Yeah, the stories are so much better. (laughs) There's like the blood that dripped as it was flying from Uranus into the sea. Also, is where the Furies were born and the Cyclops. They were born out of like no, the giants. I think were born out of like the dripping blood. (laughs) Like it's a whole. I'm just gonna go back through this video and just screen grab Elise's face at random points you, you and just make should. like a montage of like our holiday episode. Happy holidays. <laughs> Castration. I just am picturing Aphrodite like in her seventh grade like science genealogy class. She's having to draw out her family tree and she's like <laughs> Oh god. The foam from someone's castrated member. <laughs> On Wikipedia, I'm pretty sure it says it says something like that where I saw it once and was like, oh, this is like the greatest thing that it just has to lay it out like that. Because also like trying to trying to create a family tree of Greek mythology is such a disaster. Like I have people message me sometimes and they're like, I need you to explain this to me. Like I can't make it work. And I'm like, that's because it doesn't work. It's not you. <laughs> it's the fact that like we're talking like 2,000 years of stories. So it's like saying like the, you know, a single story from the Bible like hasn't changed at all until now. Like it absolutely has in the way people interpret it and, you know, for the worse in our case. But it's like these stories don't, uh, they don't just stay the exact same, especially when they didn't have printing. They only wrote things down sometimes. Usually it was, they would just tell the story. So it's like a really... Well, it's like really, telephone, exactly, right? Exactly. I was just going like, to say, it's a really messy game yes. of telephone. <laughs> well, it's the same with Sappho, to tie it all back. Like, mm-hmm. Sappho fragments have been telephoned throughout <laughs> whoever wants to filter them and translate them. Well, that's translation in general too, right? Like, it's so... Yeah, it's so messy. Let's talk more about Aphrodite because I want to yeah. know more. So we know where Aphrodite came from. Thank God. Um, Everyone should know. <laughs> Yes. What are some of 
the best Aphrodite stories. She has so many. Well, I mean, she has she doesn't have that many stories that where she's like the highlight just because she kind of had a hand in everything. But there are uh, definitely a couple off the top of my head that are particularly great. Of course, she was a part of the story that started the Trojan War out of womanly pettiness because the ancient Greek Greek people who passed down the stories, not the ancient Greek people overall, um, didn't love women. And so the the story goes that uh, at the wedding of uh, this couple named Peleus and Thetis, Thetis was a nymph, so she was divine, and Peleus was a human. She was not super keen on marrying him, but she kind of had to because she was a woman. It's one of the only two weddings where all the gods showed up to a wedding with a bunch of mortals. And um, so all the gods were there, and one god wasn't invited, the goddess Eris, who's the goddess of strife. She is an angry woman, which is why she wasn't invited, but she was mad that she wasn't invited. And so she... Because <laughs> she's, cause she's yeah. an angry woman. She's literally the goddess of strife. <laughs> Her major story point is either this or the fact that she used to, like, ride through wars on a chariot screaming for blood. She's amazing. And so she showed up at the wedding with this golden apple with the word Caliste or Caliste inscribed on it which means t- for the fairest it is where snow white <laughs> gets the whole idea i was just about to say yes yeah and so she just like tosses it into the wedding and basically watches as the three main goddesses fight over which of them is the fairest and therefore which of them gets this random golden apple which is apparently really appealing oh my god um and so it's a whole big deal like Hera thinks it belongs to her and Athena thinks it belongs to her and then Aphrodite says of course it belongs to her they go to Zeus Zeus is like I am not making this decision what a horrible thing to do you know Hera's his wife Athena's his favorite daughter and Aphrodite is Aphrodite um and so he picks this random shepherd in Troy named Paris and he's like you have to pick doesn't make any sense why. If you think about the chronology, then a bunch of time has to pass because Peleus and Thetis are also the parents of Achilles. And then Paris fights Achilles in Troy and they're about the same age. Anyway, chronologically, doesn't make any sense. Um, but they go to Paris and they're like, you have to pick. Someone who. Someone didn't consult their like show Bible. Someone's just but like, this is like there's continuity errors. And That's the other thing. It's people- just like lost. Like they just never had any plans. It's exactly just like going lost. and going. And then one day they were like, shit. I mean, again, it's all Greek mythology. It's like it, it literally never makes sense. Chronology just in general doesn't exist. Um, I mean, it doesn't also because... I'm going to go off again. The god Kronos with a C-H, not the guy who cut off his dad's balls and threw them into the sea, um, is the god of time. And it's where we get the word chronology. So he technically didn't exist. Anyway. um, (laughs) So Paris had to pick between those three goddesses. And so they all decided to offer him things. Hera told him that uh, she would give him, I guess that's like all the land in the world or whatever like region he wanted, I'm thinking. For some reason, I can't remember exactly that. Athena told him that she would make it so he won every war um, and was, you know, wise and everything. And then Aphrodite told him he could have the most beautiful woman in the world. And he was a young man. So he picked Aphrodite because he wanted a beautiful woman who said (laughs) that he could have Helen, even though, yes, she was already married to a random king in Sparta. He would have to deal with that part, but he could have her. And thus, the Trojan War, just because Aphrodite wanted an apple. Wait, 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 wait. I have a huge question to ask about this. A Sappho-related question. Okay, one of Sappho's most fragment, most famous fragments is fragment 16. And in that fragment, she says, 
Helen left her fine husband behind and went sailing to Troy. Like, beauty led her astray and, like, she went off. Which seems like this, like, rewriting of the original myth. Like, is that what it sounds like she's doing there? I think by beauty, um, she probably means Aphrodite. Mm -hmm. So, because they would often, you know, conflate concepts with gods. And so, Mm -hmm. like, by using the word beauty, like, you could mean the concept beauty, but probably she means Aphrodite. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And then, so, the question of whether Helen went willingly is completely up for grabs like it's so unclear it's so unclear um Mm. paris being like so-called given her by aphrodite is clear but it's not clear Mm. if like he went there and met her and then she was like oh fuck my husband like i don't want him i want this like hot young guy from troy so she like she could have left willingly Mm. or he could have kidnapped her the greeks didn't really care is the problem right like they just didn't (laughs) particularly concern themselves because i mean even like Every god carried off is the term always used for, like, straight kidnapping and assaulting. Like, they would say carried <laughs> off or they would say wrapped away, which is, like, a real close word to what they mean. Oh, And so it's just, like, it was just a matter of, like, women were property, so it didn't matter, so no one knows. Wow. Which is, like, the crux of my whole podcast. Can you <laughs> just imagine a society where women are seen as objects? I just... You know, it's so <laughs> baffling. It's like... <laughs> It's like so unheard of. God, unimaginable. I literally, you said it so seriously. I was about to be like, what do you mean? <laughs> I can't imagine it. And then it's like, oh, oh, I get it. I get it. It just seems really cool that like, if it's all up the grabs, like Sappho would make the call. Like, no, I'm going to tell the story like it was her autonomous choice. I'm going to focus on her. Like, that seems really, really huge. Absolutely. And especially because like, none of the men who told these stories were doing it. So it makes so much sense that, like, a woman who had a voice in that time and, you know, pretty close after the theoretical date for Homer, you know, Mm. like, Sappho was so early in terms Mm. of of everything we have that's written. Like, all the stories are really early, but in terms of, like, writing of that kind Mm. of caliber, I feel like... I'm sure I'm going to be wrong, but, like, to me, Homer and Hesiod come before her, and I can't think of many others if yeah. any. And like the Homeric hymns, but we think maybe those are Homer, maybe there's some random, but like those three works kind of overall come before her and otherwise there's very little else. And so I'm sure there there, mm. there were there was so much back then that we don't have that wasn't written down or that got lost or whatever. But the idea that she wanted to like give a voice to women or to this character who like the Greeks, mm. you know, whether or not they if they really thought about it, they thought it was real, but they believed the Trojan War had happened. They believed it was in their history and that they came from this like line of people who had these heroic pasts and, and did these heroic things and that the, you know, Troy was history to them. And so a woman would probably look at that and think like, well, what about all the women that were involved that in, in the Iliad and the Odyssey have absolutely no agency. None of them get any kind of story at all except for kind of some of the goddesses but it's usually just like well how did the goddesses help the men and then that's the story (laughs) they get but it's nothing else and so i love the idea that that sappho who had a voice who was a woman who like actually had like a platform to tell these stories and do these things would be like no helen wanted to like paris was hot and she was like absolutely into that and left Greece. I mean, Menelaus was like some boring king of Sparta, you know, screw him. Like, I'm going to go to this hot guy from Troy. 
I'm also dying. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to remember. Because you've seen the movie, Troy. Mm. I'm like, I mean, Orlando yeah, Bloom of course, Orlando Bloom. Orlando <laughs> Bloom? <laughs> yeah. Especially versus, like, I don't, I can't remember the name of the guy who plays Menelaus, but, like, they make a point of it being, like, no, Orlando Bloom is hot and young, and he's Helen's age, and he's, like, her level of hotness, whereas Menelaus is not. This raises another question for me, though, which is that, like, what is the relationship between Aphrodite and Eros? Because I know that Eros is not a god, but rather, like, a concept. Is is that true? And then is Aphrodite, like, the goddess of Eros, or is she purely beauty? Like, how are they connected? Another great question that has so many answers. Eros is one of the most confusing gods, if you try to, like, actually pin something down. Because... Very similar to Aphrodite, he has two different, like, origin stories. So one says that he's the son of Aphrodite and Ares. Aphrodite and Ares had a bunch of kids, um, Eros being one of them, Harmonia, she's the goddess of harmony, she's another, um, the Erotes, which are, like, a group of, like, Eros-like figures that kind of symbolize just sort of eroticism in general, and a number of other ones. Either Eros is the the son of Aphrodite and Ares, making him, making him like the god of erotic love, like he is, but also very much more down to earth. It's not like not a literal phrase, but it has the meaning I want here where he was just like, he was a bit more human, even though he was a god. Whereas the alternative for Eros is that he sprung from chaos alongside Gaia, like the first of everything. So he's either like one of the oldest concepts or, and gods in the whole of the pantheon, or he's the son of Ares and Aphrodite. And it, wait, wait, it's... okay. So like, <laughs> you're I love Elisa's face. So erotic love either comes from beauty, fucking war. war, yeah, or chaos itself. Yeah. Like, I mean, options. it all checks out. It all checks out for me, honestly. It does because, like, Sappho's poems are always about, like, Eros is killing me to death and Eros is, like, <laughs> destroying my body and hurting me and, or, like, like making me suffer. Like, it makes perfect sense, I guess. I just never knew one. Well, yeah, Eros is a funny one and then it was very much, like, and it's similar to what I said about beauty maybe referring to Aphrodite herself because it was a lot of, like, they understood the concepts to be the gods and the gods to be the concepts. So when you're complaining about the way Eros treats you or like in that way of, you know, (laughs) Eros is really like being hard on me lately or whatever. um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is like the God and it's the concept because that's just kind of how it works. So they had gods for everything. Like, Elise, you inspired tomorrow's episode by asking me about Eos and Tythonus and me not having an answer. So tomorrow's episode (laughs) is all about Eos, who turns out she like was very much like all the male gods and she straight up kidnapped like a lot of dudes. Um, So that's yeah. Tythonus is like a question mark whether or not he was fully kidnapped by her. And the Greeks would have understood that differently. Like they didn't, you know, it wasn't like necessarily understood to be the horror show that we would now. But yeah, her story is basically like, yeah, she like carried off this dude because he was pretty. And then she carried off this dude because he was pretty. And then this one, like it's quite the quite the tale. But essentially, it's like she's a good example of concepts like she is the dawn she's rosy fingered dawn most of her story is simply like naming her like in in homer she's named like every two pages because every time a new day breaks the way you say a new day has happened is that 
rosy fingered dawn has appeared. And so there's a new day passing. And then she was also like the mother of all the winds because each directional wind had its own god. Like they just understood every single concept on earth to have a god. So it was just sort of, if you're talking about a concept, you would just refer to the god as the concept. I don't it's know. So it's so cool that you're talking about Eos and Titanus because they're the subject of the poem that we're talking about for like our next two episodes. With well, like, the last episode we did and the following episode that we have. Yes, yes, that's the one. And so it's perfect. Like, yeah. It's well, mine, my episode tomorrow morning is all about her, but <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> it's literally like, so she kidnapped all these men. Um, <laughs> that and, sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's her story, essentially. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, Eros is such an interesting one. Like, I always like him to be the the child of Aphrodite and Ares, but mostly because I like the gods as gods, as characters in stories. And so he is like a much more down-to-earth character in stories when you think of him that way. And also my favorite mm. all-time myth that's not really like, it's not really the same as all the other myths is Cupid and Psyche, which is like all about... Eros has like very much a human man and having a love life. And then he's very much the son of Aphrodite. So I've just sort of like always been around that idea. Because Cupid is obviously the Roman name for Eros, the same basic concept. But always, I think in Rome, Roman mythology, he would always be the child of, in that case, um, Venus and Mars. But yeah, I mean, it's just, they're all so fucking fascinating. And like, you could just kind of go off forever trying to understand how all of it works and functions. Like, there's really no clear-cut answer because it's, you know, it's like one person wrote something in 800 BC, and then the next thing we have is from 400 BC. So who knows what happened in those 400 years and, and what people actually believed versus, you know, what got written down and actually passed down to to the point where we have it now, like 2,500 years later. I just, wow. like, I want to, like, Matrix-style, like, download your brain into my brain. <laughs> like, I'm I'm thinking about, like, all of the things because, like, I just love, like, pop culture and, like, bringing it back. And, like, I was, I was, um, I really love the whole Vampire Diaries universe. I've seen a lot of that. It's, it's so good and terrible. <laughs> and I recently finished Legacies, finally, because, like, I'd watched, like, I'd been watching along with CW and then we didn't have it in Australia when I was stuck there. And so I just finished Legacies. Like, they, they've been doing all the gods, right? So they had, like, Eros, and then it wasn't Eros, it was, like, another one of the loves, and then he was, like, eating people's hearts, and it was, like, so much. And then just thinking about, like, American gods and, like, all of the gods in this from all the different things, and all I want is, like, like an Isle of Lesbos, L-word, <laughs> slash American gods, where, like, all of the gods are in human form, and it's really gay. That's my dream. I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Liv will bring you on as a as a researcher. Please, our, God, I've got God I've got as a god head. expert. Yeah, I just there's all I want in this world is <laughs> an adaptation of Greek mythology in movie or TV show form that is accurate and good quality because it has never happened, and I yeah. I can't understand why they always fuck it up. And I I hope I can swear on your show because I have been. Yeah, you can. <laughs> oh my god, swear a lot. Yeah. Um. So, how do you feel about Hercules? Uh, that Disney one? The cartoon. The cartoon <laughs> is the best one. Okay, so I I stand by <laughs> Disney's Hercules is one of the most accurate adaptations of Greek mythology ever. Wow. They don't screw it up in the way that almost everybody else does. I mean, except that they call him Hercules, which is literally not his Greek name. 
<laughs> his, his name is Heracles. So like from the start, they're off to a bad start. But they've got a lot of flaws. Hera loving him as a son is hilarious um, because the entire story of, of Heracles is that Hera was literally trying to get him killed his whole life. That's all of it. That's a good one. That's but a like, big mistake. It's, <laughs> yeah. a but it's a very Disney mistake. Divergence. <laughs> but the thing is, is that like Hera hated him because Zeus went down to Earth and then had sex with a mortal woman who had his baby. So like, what is Disney going to do? <laughs> well, okay, but hold on. Disney does not have qualms about family members hating their kids. Like, what the fuck was Cinderella? It was like all about family members and like, Step No, but yeah, they're not related. Oh, yeah. but actually, no, no, no. Well, I guess Hera wouldn't be related either. Yeah, that's true. No, but true. they can't have Zeus cheating. They can't have the king of the gods like in a godlike <laughs> figure, like capital but that's G all he does. Figure. That's a good oh, point. Oh, yeah, it's that's literally all he does. Zeus is a dick. I don't know why they skirt around this issue. Zeus is garbage. He's the worst. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But no, Disney's Hercules is so good. Like, I stand by that one and no other. No other adaptations at all. Because I always make it weird. That's I mean, valid. I just needed to know because I yeah. love Hercules. No, it's the best. So I, mean, I just it has like, the wanted songs. to know if I was okay to like it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the songs are great. <laughs> Though I think you should know that Hercules never rode Pegasus. Never. That is very I think sad. that's important information for everyone to have. Also, so what is the... What is the truth behind Pegasus? So for one, he was not born of a cloud. He was born of Medusa's severed head or the stump from which Whoa. Medusa's severed head had been <laughs> recently <laughs> removed. <laughs> okay, I, I, of course, I have like of course. A, I have a tangential thing, which is that I was recently talking to a really good friend who um, she was complaining about how she hates like angel uh, tree toppers, angel Christmas tree toppers, because they're not mm. accurate to how the Bible actually describes angels. Because like, the Bible doesn't talk about angels as being like blonde ladies in a dress. It talks about angels being like crazy messes of like, it's like two wheels interlocking, covered in eyeballs and wings. That's an actual angel, according to like Ezekiel and um, Revelations. And so she's been like complaining about how she can't find, she would, she wants a real angel topper for her tree. <laughs> like, a mythologically accurate um, tree topper. And she has been complaining about this for a long time. And I was like, so I went on Etsy the other day and like found a sticker of one and then I found Whoa! like a tree topper and I'm like trying to assemble it to give her but like <laughs> this like everything's more interesting in the original source text everything is more interesting and then it just gets like you know like censored and like you know like just made more boring by pop culture a lot of times. You can blame Greek mythology for the angel thing too really oh really well i think it probably all comes from like that cherubic look of eros slash cupid right like i think Mm. so eros is another is a funny one also because he's sometimes a child and sometimes a an adult like depending on depictions of him so like the the, that like baby chubby cheek cherubic cupid comes from mythology and then i would imagine that's like where i don't know about the whole like women angelic thing probably comes from greek mythology too because you can imagine like i mean even nike and the patriarchy and the patriarchy everything i mean specifically myth- greek mythology comes from the patriarchy um but i and mean racism there's just a lot <laughs> it's all messy it's, she says and has another sip of i was literally yeah. gonna say the way the drink. happy fucking holidays <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've run out of my drink. You're making me tempted to go get more wine or some wine. Oh, please go get something. We can always take a little hiatus for more alcohol. And we'll be back after a brief ad break. I have a question. I've been waiting to ask. The 
only complete poem of Sappho that we have is Ode to Aphrodite, where she's like, Aphrodite, I really need your help getting this girl that I like to like me back. And it's so good. But right in the middle of it, she talks about Aphrodite coming down from her father's golden house in like a chariot that's yoked by sparrows that are bringing her down from earth and flying through the air. And I was just wondering if you could comment on like Aphrodite's methods of transportation and all of that. Yes, hopefully. So for one, it seems like uh, Sappho subscribes to her being the daughter of Zeus based on that Hmm. because Zeus would be where she's coming from or Olympus. But I think I haven't, maybe I've heard sparrows before. I don't know. It's, there's all so many different versions and like takes on it. Usually her bird is a dove Mm. and I think they all had chariots. I'm trying to remember if I've thought I've heard of her in a chariot pulled by birds before. It sounds very Aphrodite. So I'm sure I've heard of it somewhere. The problem is, is that like all the stories we have you know, for the most part, they're not full-blown stories because, like, thankfully we have the Iliad and the Odyssey, which are full-on stories. But otherwise, it's usually, like, odes, just, like, hymns to the gods. And so they'll, like, reference a story. They'll tell a story. Some of them have full-length stories, like the um, Homeric Hymn to Hermes is one of the greatest things ever. It's the most insane story you'll ever hear in a Homeric Hymn. But then, so is the Aphrodite one, actually, which is the story I'm telling next. But it, they so rarely have, it's like they don't have our version of, of detailed and structure. So if they're talking about Aphrodite coming here, there's not too many people that would include how she got someplace. Unless, like, they had a reason for it. And then it's just because we have so few sources that have survived. Like, maybe that somebody wrote a novel and it had all this detail about how, how Aphrodite got anywhere at any given time. You know, we're, there's just so much we don't have. It's heartbreaking, and I could talk about it forever. I love that mystery and, like, the ways in which writers' imaginations and even our imaginations today can, like, fill those gaps. And it also reminds me of, like, in, in Greek, in, like, later Greek theater, the way that they were always bringing people down, bringing the gods down in chariots. Like, that's where you get the phrase, like, deus ex machina. Yeah. Like, Medea just shows up, and she's like, I just killed all my kids, and I'm in my chariot. And it's like, what? Like, it's this huge spectacle to see them in their chariot. Pulled by dragons. Medea's chariot was pulled by dragons. And depending on the time frame you're talking about, they had a full-on, like, crane-like structure that descended her chariot from the sky over the theater pulled by dragons. Like, that's what deus ex machina is. The machina? The machina is literally, like, a crane. It's a ghost I don't in the machine. How like, any of us have been machine. like, how have any of us been satisfied going to the theater, like, since no. then? Like, this it's is insane. all And <laughs> Medea, Medea is one of the few non-god examples of the use of deus ex machina, which is why it's called deus ex machina, because it's obviously god in it's the just machine. making me think of, of the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes. and like you know how because like as an australian like okay we don't have the super bowl you you guys go all out on everything right it's, i just want to stay i am to me. canadian just want to make that perfectly clear <laughs> honestly honestly good i say good. i say you all be proud i'm talking to the country that, in which i now reside <laughs> it's insane how like big things can be and like the Super Bowl is such a great example of that like our grand finals are like not that big 
it's just it's just so much and I've only really watched them since I've moved here and I'm just always amazed at like the spectacle I'm like this just it's so unnecessary and ridiculous and can you imagine if that's like the thing that survives from our oh time my God. so, so like, like when they did this when all the pink time comes down from the sky <laughs> in her like yes, that's day machina and you know Aphrodite had some like nationally broadcasted nipple slip like that seems like on brand yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely so janet jackson really is the aphrodite of our time i could get down with that yeah yeah although yeah. janet jackson was very unfairly canceled and that's another conversation yeah. well that's a mm, that's because of the patriarchy absolutely <laughs> it's a really recurring theme it's my whole podcast <laughs> i literally make a living as a complaining be. about the patriarchy i don't know how it's physically but, possible but my favorite it's thing is reading like lives like re- bad reviews like if people were talking about it today like you, when you get your reviews and it's like it really you don't have to bring so many politics into it and you're like that is the podcast that is yeah, the whole it's podcast it. that you don't pay for on like available <laughs> for free like if you don't want to listen to yeah, it listen or just don't. don't listen yeah, like maybe it's not your thing, but yeah. yes, I do complain about the patriarchy. It's my whole well, podcast, and and so many cisgendered men take such issue with with just like the way that I talk about the patriarchy, and then also talk about just the fact that like the gods assaulting women all the time was bad. And, and they're like, well, you're putting your, you're, you're putting modern morals onto the ancients. And I'm like, I'm just putting morals into morals. the Morals, yeah. <laughs> like, these are not modern, modern morals. Like, this is just morality. I'm just putting, like, women are people. Oh you don't own them onto the stories. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm oh my breaking God. Greek mythology. <laughs> Gods forbid you should actually expect that women be treated like human. Oh, my lived. God. That was your first problem. <laughs> Honestly, the number of people that tell me, like, I would like to show she didn't hate men so much. And I'm like, the only time I hate men is when they are assaulting women. I don't ever say I hate men otherwise. So if you're hearing that, like, that's on you and it says a lot more about you than me. It almost sounds like you're, like, you know, like, okay with the the people, but, like, you know, trying to hold them accountable for their own actions and, like, that they've taken and, like, their choices. Wow, like, I literally love them more than anything. <laughs> Greek mythology is my whole life now. It's crazy. My apartment is just, like, 99% Greek mythological things. It's truly my favorite thing <laughs> in this world. I just don't let men get away with the rape. Like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that poem we were that poem we were talking about earlier, fragment 16 by Sappho, where she rewrites the the Helen Homer, you know, Troy thing. She's she's totally like you know subtweeting men in that poem, right? Like she like <laughs> the poem the poem starts out. Some men say an army of horse, and some men say an army on foot, and some men say an army of ships is the most beautiful thing on the black earth. But I say it is what you love. And, like, obviously I'm right, because, like, why do you have a hard-on for armies and navies and not beautiful women? Like, come on, wake up! Like, I love your drunk Sappho voice, Celise. That's my... That's my, that's my that's how Sappho would perform. I'm actually only halfway through beer number one. So that's just like my like Sappho is owning up the the patriarchy in this poem. And I that's love it. The truth and the fact. I have a great story. Okay. Ooh, yes. Sorry. Let's hear it. Tell us. So the other major story when it comes to Aphrodite and the one that is in her Homeric hymn is so she used to she slept with Ares a lot. And like I said, 
I don't know if she never slept with her husband, but they don't have any children. Whereas she and Aries have like, I don't know, like eight kids or something. And so this one time, um, they were having sex in Aphrodite's bed. So like in her house with Hephaestus. So Helios is the son. He can see everything because he's the son. So notoriously, like Helios is kind of like a peeping Tom at times. And he'll just spot <laughs> things that nobody wants to be seen because they're trying to hide. But it's he's the son. And so Helios saw Ares and Aphrodite together in Hephaestus and Aphrodite's bed. And he told Hephaestus. And Hephaestus was angry, obviously. It seems like Hephaestus didn't want to believe that his wife didn't like him even though he knows how they got married so i mean he should know but um (laughs) he was super mad and so he decided to trick them and catch them again so what he did because he's a festa so he could build anything with metal and forgery and all that not forgery like fake things forgery like using a forge and (laughs) so he forged these magical um, either chains or a net, depending on kind of how you translate it or how you understand it. But either way, he form- he forged a contraption and-, and stitched it up all invisible over their bed and then was like, hey, guys, I- I'm-, I'm off to Lemnos. Um, you know, I'll I'll be back in a few days. I'll be gone. Um, I won't be here. I'll, I'll be there on the island. <laughs> And so like, immediately he was gone. And then Aphrodite and Aries were like, well, perfect. He's gone. He won't be here. He'll be gone for a couple of days. And so they That's go fine. straight to the bed. Yeah. And then the minute they lie down on the bed together, Hephaestus is like trap, like springs into action and like fully traps them in this bed. Like either by like a net falling on them or chains oh like appearing and wrapping oh around them. But they're like naked on the bed and now trapped where they are. And then, obviously, Hephaestus, like, has planned this. So he comes back immediately, finds them. And then he decides what he wants to do is, like, he thinks he's going to shame them by pulling all the other gods together. Like, he's going to kind of get his revenge for this, you know, cheating by by getting all the other gods. And all the other gods are going to then look at Aphrodite and Ares and, and you know, think really poorly of them and, and hate them or whatever. And so he calls all the Olympian gods and all the Olympian gods show up at his house where he has trapped his wife and her lover on their bed. And so obviously, because the Olympian gods are sane, they all just start laughing. So they all... <laughs> I'll just laugh at Hephaestus and at the situation, thinking like, what the fuck is going on? Why have you called us here? This is ridiculous. And then I think they're probably also looking around being like, literally all of us cheat all the time. Like, hi, Zeus is here. Like, what do you think he's doing? And they're like, and? And like, the problem is? Hephaestus is so angry. He's just like going to explode and he refuses to let Ares go but then everyone's like hey like we need Ares he's the god of war he's super important like also you know we don't think this is that big of a deal like you should just let him go anyway he just refuses to let them go and they all try to talk Hephaestus down and eventually I think it's Poseidon like says that he'll talk to Ares or he says he'll do something that like placates Hephaestus into letting them go and then they're, they're they're still embarrassed as much as this was funny, you know, Aphrodite and Ares are embarrassed. So Aphrodite flies off to to Cyprus and uh, Ares heads over to Thrace, where those both that like their regions where they hang out. And uh, Hephaestus just goes on Thrace? being a shitty dude. Yeah. Here, Ares was like very much um, 
based in Thrace or like a Thracian kind of god. So Thrace is a part of Greece? Well, Greece didn't exist, right? So it's it's kind of tough to say what, what was Greece. Like the Hellenic world was like the world kind of united by a basic shared language, which with like a bunch of dialects and like sort of a shared culture-ish. Um, but it varied so much based on what region yeah, Thrace is like really close by. Um, so it was an ancient culture alongside them. Like whether it counted in the Hellenic world is the only part that I am not certain of. I don't think like I don't think they spoke Greek. Like there was probably people there who spoke some Greek, but like they weren't Hellenic necessarily. But they were so closely aligned with the Greeks. But they were um, like a really um, war based culture. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why Ares is said to hang out in Thrace because they considered the Thracians mm-hmm. like really big on war and really kind of mm-hmm. brutal and hardcore. And so obviously Ares was then associated with them. Thrace is really big. There's a bunch of Thracians in the even um, in the Iliad too. They help. Mm-hmm. They help Troy though. Yeah, because at one point Odysseus wow. and Ajax like sneak in in the middle of the night and kill a bunch of them. Anyway, but yeah, Thrace very is cool. very much in the ancient world. Um, Spartacus was from Thrace. He was obviously later, but. I'm obsessed with the Spartacus is TV Spartacus show from gay? Australia. Spartacus feels gay to me. I haven't. Spartacus, I don't the know anything show about is it. very gay. Spartacus okay. himself was not gay. Um, the Spartacus TV okay. show that was filmed in Australia like a while back is oh. so good. The first two seasons of it are some like oh my god, they're so good and they are very gay in like the most satisfying way. Nice. Like there are some really Amazing. hot naked gladiators who have some Ooh. really strong feelings for each other, and it's lovely. Ooh. Like they show, yeah, they show like male love in a really, really nice way. That's like you can be really hardcore gladiators who are super naked and like will kill each other in the battle or in the um, arena, but then are also like and super also tender fuck. with each other in their like Aww. where they're kept as slaves. <laughs> Lisa, <laughs> no, they also they also they're fuck. tender. Lisa, I am <laughs> halfway through my bottle of wine. <laughs> but yeah, but no, the I would say the like straight relationships are much more like that, and the gay relationships mm. are actually much more like nice and lovely and then with the men with women it's like nah that's like hardcore Mm. anyway great show interesting hot men and women everywhere I mean, you just, you just, you just toasted your glass, people. like, to the, to the universe. Like, <laughs> hot people. We all just toasted to, the, to that to bisexual that. statement. Yes, here's the that. Look. Shit. I also just want to say the wine yes. I'm drinking right now is called Bacchus. Um, and I am drinking oh. it in a glass that has the ancient Greek word enomania, which means an insatiable affection for wine. Whoa. So wow. Just, just yeah. so much. I'll, I'll play I'll like I I'm said, drinking, it's my whole life. Yeah, this is good. I'm drinking an apple cider, and <laughs> Sappho likes to talk about all these apples being it's just out of reach. <laughs> sex, she's talking about sex. So that's, you know, like, Did she talk about my golden connection. apples ever? I think she, when we found the one, I think it was, like, really red, because she's using some of that, like, fruit mm. imagery. No, and, she like, uses red. Yeah. Was it the one that we just did? It was, like, it's red, right? highest on the reddest, br- no. High yeah, a lot of red, 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 red on the red, highest. Red. Yeah, no, wait. She's really about red apples. Because it's vulvas, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's all about the vulva. <laughs> yes, you know, <laughs> just like how it's like so like matter of fact because yeah. it's vulvas. Yeah, <laughs> I got that. Of course. Elise, Elise <laughs> is a descendant from Sappho and Elise knows. I am. Oh, this is one of my favorite it's ones true. that I always turn to, which is, Virginity, virginity, where are you gone leaving me behind? No longer will I come to you. No longer will I come. <laughs> wow. Wow. So she's writing these, yeah, she's writing these poems for like weddings. 
And if mm. you're a young girl and you've been like only hanging out with other girls in Sappho and only spending time with other girls and learning about sex and love and relationships that way, then on your wedding day, when you're like, quote unquote, virginity is taken, like, yeah, it's a lifetime of not coming. I think it's pretty safe to say. Like, <laughs> based on what we know, based on what we know about like same about opposite sex relationships in ancient Greece, it was not like marriage was not the place for pleasurable sex. Like the men would go to brothels for that or they'd go to other men for that. It was like. You had sex with your wife to have babies, not to, like, have fun. Yeah. Like, nobody's Well, women were, like, full property. Like, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of love, I don't think, in those relationships back then. It was, like, strategic. Yeah. It was because it was necessary because you had to yeah. own her. But, yeah, a lot, I mean, a lot was men went to younger. I don't, I mean, I will say boys because that's what the accurate statement is. Yeah. They yeah. were boys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot. I, I have another Aphrodite poem in here from Sappho that I wanted to ask about, which is that, at the very end of one twelve, she says uh, she's talking about she's talking to the to the bridegroom and the bride, and she so she says, "Blessed bridegroom, your marriage, just as you prayed, has been accomplished, and you have the bride for whom you prayed. Gracious your form and your eyes as honey. Desire is poured upon your lovely face. Aphrodite has honored you exceedingly." So. Is Aphrodite showing up in this poem like she gave the bridegroom this beautiful bride? Or is she calling the bridegroom beautiful and like Aphrodite blesses people with their physical beauty? Like what's going on with Aphrodite in that poem? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, For one, I just want to say I wish I was a scholar. I'm not. This is all based (laughs) on like all the shit I read for my podcast and the BA I took almost 10 years ago. That makes you a scholar? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but well so because Aphrodite wasn't associated with marriage specifically like she was really all about sex and beauty but like mm-hmm. Hera is the goddess of marriage and then there's Hymen is the god of marriage mm-hmm. and his name is Hymen wow Hymen. I actually didn't know that like Hymen like, that's like amazing. H-Y-M-E-N like yeah Hymen. yeah yeah, yeah. I understood it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Good. <laughs> just make just making it clear. That's a fully where we get. The I word got from. the reference. It was clear. Yeah. I understood <laughs> that I lost that very important part of me, and now I'm <laughs> worthless. Yeah. Well, God, we're completely worthless. Wait. What are women? Virginity. Virginity. We had a conversation that stays between us. <laughs> you can think about. You can debate what you think it was about, but we're gonna go back to this. <laughs> Sappho's prag- fragment one eleven is a bunch of boner jokes involving the god Hymenaeus. Am I saying that right, Liv? Probably. It's all ancient Greek, so you can say it however you want. (laughs) It's all Greek to me. (laughs) So she's in this poem, she goes, Up with the roof, Hymenaeus, lift it, carpenters. Hymenaeus, the bridegroom is coming in, equal to Ares, Hymenaeus, much bigger than a big man, Hymenaeus. (laughs) So she's saying, like, you have to lift the roof of this building because the bridegroom's boner is so big. It's as big as Aries. Um, <laughs> and I love that. Like, that's Sappho that's just, wonderful. like, being that's the best. That's really fun. Yeah, that's a great one. Love a good boner <laughs> joke. Um, I have to go, y'all, because I'm trying to be a better mother than Hera and, um, you know, like, parent my child who's coming home from daycare right now. So I'm going to... Um, step away from the boner jokes and go hang out with my toddler for dinner and well thank you sorry for hanging out with us thank you for well, being better than hera is a very good bye Elise. y'all are a dream y'all are the coolest people i i said <laughs> i have to go so Liv, before we wrap up are there any other like beautiful aphrodite stories that you're just like okay if 
we need to hear these before we wrap up. I mean, honestly, like I take it upon myself to make sure every single person on this planet knows the story of her being birthed from castration foam. Because mm-hmm. I just think it's required knowledge for being a human. 100%. Um, and and then this, the story of her and Aries is just my absolute favorite because it's just so silly. So, no, I would say we got the real, we got the, we got the good the stuff. We got the good of Aphrodite stuff. in here. I mean, honestly, like she's just, she doesn't have a ton of stories with mortals, which I love. She is the mother of Aeneas. Uh, maybe that's interesting information. Mm. She's the mother of Aeneas who then Rome took on to be their founding character um Mm. but she's a mother of aeneas because zeus she like bragged that she'd never slept with a human and zeus was like well i'll make sure that you do and so he like basically forced her to fall for enkizis the father of aeneas yeah it was a whole it's a whole thing so it's like you know it was still based in like very silly olympian squabbles as so much of as they always are yeah it also feels really like, oh, you just haven't, like, found the right human yet. Like, you just haven't found the right man yet. Like, yes. it just feels really that, like, oh, you have to try it. Well, and she's, like, she's had sex with loads of gods. And at one point, mm. like, she was with Adonis, obviously. So, but I don't know, maybe the story came beforehand, probably. Um, or she maybe never slept with Adonis. Adonis is a weird character, too. But um, he's mo- known so mostly much. for his name. And, like, there's not a ton of story. It's literally, like... I don't know anything about Adonis except for the name and it it, yeah. it, it it like brings in my head like a really attractive person yeah well. like fabio style is all i can think of yeah. oh, that seems okay. over the top but uh yeah yeah i think that the basics of that story are literally like aphrodite fell in love with this man he was beautiful um she tried to like steal him away in some way and so she brought him to persephone to like keep safe but then persephone fell in love with him because he was so hot and then they fought over him and and like got to share time with this like hot guy so it was a it a was little a poly, poly situation. situation. I love it. Yeah. Like a little. They were not super thrilled by it. It was literally like, well, you can mm. spend one month with me and one month with Persephone and then the other month you can spend with yourself. And then apparently Donis was like, I'm going to spend the other month with Aphrodite because she's hot. And then that was basically it. I love how petty. I, I, yeah, I, just I love, love how petty all the gods yeah. are. That's the like, thing, I've right? been really enjoying <sighs> listening to your podcast for this. I feel like everybody should just go and subscribe to Myths, Miss Baby. Oh, let's yes. talk about Miss Baby. So where, yes, yeah, so where can people find your show? Oh, literally everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you can, if you can listen to a podcast somewhere, you can find my podcast. If you search for or myths or Myths Baby or mythology. Um, it's gonna show up or my website's mythsbaby.com. Um, I'm mythsbaby everywhere on the internet. And yeah, I talk a lot. I've had three years worth of content now of talking about infighting and squabbles with the gods. I've for the past uh like almost a year now, I've been just like reading the Iliad and the Odyssey on bonus episodes. So you can also just like listen to me read a really old and not great translation because it's in the public domain, but it's still like it's still the Iliad and the Odyssey. It's an overwhelming amount of content. It's, I'm like so I never much. know where to start. I'm always like so I search for the gay shit first, actually. That's what I did. I have so. a lot yeah, of Yeah, that's those. actually a good question. Yeah. What are your what are your Okay, so if someone loves Sappho and yeah. loves Aphrodite, what are some of the top episodes of your show you'd recommend? So travesty of travesties because of the patriarchy there are almost no stories of lesbians almost none i think it's i i subscribe to the idea that artemis was gay because she literally hated men and surrounded herself with nymphs 
all the time. So I think it's obvious. <laughs> Some people call her asexual. I don't think that's true. Um, I think if anyone is, it's Athena. Are nymphs, nymphomaniacs, is that where the word comes Definitely. from? Definitely, yeah. So how is she asexual? I'm very confused. That's the thing. Well, there's no talk about her having sex with anyone, but there's no talk about her having sex with anyone because the people who are telling the stories and writing things down were dudes who didn't want to think of women having sex with other women because women are property. They're not sexual beings. So it, it's not a... But that's the thing. I, I don't subscribe to that at all. I do think if anyone is, it could be Athena because there's no stories of Athena being r- romantic with anyone. So she could be like asexual or aromantic what have you but artemis is literally like i hate men i really like to have my nymphs around me all the time we we like to bathe naked as much as we can and then people (laughs) are like i don't know i don't think artemis with anyone like well i think that she has sex with a lot of her nymphs (laughs) yep sappho and her friend it's classic (laughs) yeah exactly so so but that's basically it when we when it comes to that um but i have covered a lot of generalized LGBTQ plus stories. There's a lot of trans stories. There's a lot of stories of gay men that are great. So I tend to, you can go through like June of every year and you'll find a bunch because I do, I always do a pride month. Yeah, I think that's where I found them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I've listened to the Hermaphrodus story. Yeah, there's there's one mm. that's like, a there's a, the bunch all in one because I'm running very low now on, on stories that I haven't told already. Um, so Apollo was with a, a bunch of guys, but they tend to all end in tragedy. Like Apollo and Hyacinthus is <laughs> a really like good story. I mean, it just sounds like gay movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah and, exactly. And it's been happening for eternity. But yeah, so Apollo and Hyacinthus is a very good one. And also I, it's called, I named the episode A Frisbee Tragedy, uh, which I just really like the name of the episode. So I'm going to hype I that one. But yeah, there's a, there's definitely a bunch of those. There's I, I love the trans stories because I think... It's fascinating how um, the ancient Greeks understood trans people to exist. They tended to understand that it was like either a gift or a curse from the gods, usually a gift, which is cool. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I just I those are some of my favorites because I love sort of emphasizing the idea that this is not a new phenomenon mm-hmm. and it's just like 21st century Western culture that's shitty <laughs> that like seems to want to believe that there it's something new um and even the ancient greeks were like oh you were born a man but you're a woman cool well then the gods clearly just made you a woman that's that's obviously what happened mm-hmm. and yeah i love that yeah. that's so cool They're, it's really lovely it's nice so there's a bunch of those and you have a Thank book you. coming up oh yeah Sorry, I have a book. We'll I keep oh yeah, yeah let's into, talk about i should that. hype my book um, but yes, I, you I, should. I don't feel like a, a real author yet because I don't have I physical have it on copies. Pre-order. Thank you. I have it on pre-order. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have a book of Greek, Greek mythology coming out. It is called Greek Mythology, uh, the Gods, Goddesses, and Heroes Handbook. Book of Greek mythology, like very sort of for not beginners, but just like people new to it. Um, but it's it's very honest in the way that my podcast is, and I'm very excited because it it's going to be the first book I own out of all my mythology books uses the word assault when it comes to stories from Greek mythology. And I don't say carried off or wrapped away or even sometimes I do say kidnapped because sometimes it's not clear, but other, Mm. but it's also, um, I mean, kidnapped is bad enough. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so that, that comes out in March and is available for pre-order wherever you find your books. Incredible. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on teaching us about Aphrodite, 
Have and just hanging out with us, us and being friends. Thank you. No, truly we, yeah. really know each, yeah. we really know each other <laughs> we now. We really do. With all everything that's been cut out of this podcast, we really know each other. Um, no, this was, thank you guys so much. This was actually so much fun. Thanks for listening to Sweet Bitter. Our next episode will be out on the 14th of January. And here we are just trying to do this outro a little bit drunk at this stage. <laughs> Ellie, what else do they need to know? If you want to rate and review us on iTunes, we would love that. It helps other people find the podcast. And if you're feeling generous in the holiday spirit, you can join our Patreon. We would love to see you there. Please, please. We we love that. It's the best Christmas present we could ever get. I mean, it's past Christmas at this point. It's the but best still. New Year's gift that we could ever get. Non-denominational gift. Exactly. Yeah. Non-denominational 2021. You want to support our podcast. We would love to have you. We also couldn't help ourselves. We've recorded a song for this episode as well. I'm so excited I was told about this and I've been looking forward to it. Stick around for our take on Let's Talk About Myths, baby. Here we go. (laughs) Let's talk about myths, baby. About Aphrodite. Let's talk about gods and poets and drink some wine for the holiday.